they are your people, and they love you well, Magister Illyrio said amiably. And hold fast all across the realm, men lift secret toasts to your health, while women sew dragon banners and hide them against the day of your return from across the water. He gave a massive shrug. Or so my agents tell me. Welcome to the White Book Podcast, the original A Game of Thrones LCG podcast. Founded in 2010 as Two Champs and a Chump, we thought it was best to rename and rebrand ourselves as the game did so with the second edition. Now we are the White Book Podcast, and each week we bring you your dose of strategy, insight, and all-around geeky goodness. A huge thank you goes out to Fantasy Flight Games and George R. R. Martin for this game and world we love, but more importantly to you, our listeners. Please consider supporting us on Patreon so that we can continue to make this show the best it can, and I promise we have big plans for the future. This is The White Book. Truth be told, I never listen when Will gives the quotes. I just, like, trust that he picked a good one. No, no. Like, is amiably, like, the right word there? Isn't it amicably? Am I crazy? I don't know if amiably is an illegitimate adverbial. I feel like it... I feel like it It sounds intuitive like it would function. Hmm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The White Book, your weekly grammar <laughs> podcast. Today... <laughs> I hear language is a social construct, and grammar is a way of keeping the proletariat down. You're so bougie. Uh, Almost as good as gravity. Gravity is definitely a social construct, and man, if I can't find anything that uh, keeps the proletariat down harder than gravity. That's true. Social construct doesn't necessarily mean it's not true. Will is subscribed to them alternate facts. Uh... It was a very amusing article I read some time ago. Um, and we're already off track, motherfuckers. Wait, yeah. so, so Will, real quick. So then, like, if you're if you're speaking in purely Marxist terms, so then, like, is gravity a structure or a superstructure? <laughs> um, hmm. If you're categorizing it as a social construction, it's probably a superstructure, but I'm not sure now that I think about it because it's sort of a... I don't know. It's it's a uh, it's a scientific thing, but you know. So is it? it you know, we just lost a lot of listeners. In Thrones, who would subscribe to a Marxist perspective? Uh, <laughs> I mean, this game brotherhood is without banners. Hey, can we just talk about the fact that Aaron is absolutely here right now? Yeah, I mean, that is the part that I really wanted to play up. Uh, that was why I picked this quote. I know our listeners have been sewing little pulse glazer banners and, you know, and, and hiding them and waiting for Aaron's triumphant return to the show. Really? That's just show and fall. Well, that's fair. <laughs> but to a different you know, knowing the Thrones community, there were bound to be a lot of toasts to you. Oh, that's true. Or at least a lot of toast, a lot of drinking. <laughs> I hear uh, Jones's rug is still suffering the consequences of all that. Oh. And... Yeah. 
Hey guys, Will here at the White Book. Just taking a quick moment to remind you all about the Evergreen Tabletop Expo 2017, which you may know is hosting the Game of Thrones and Android Netrunner Nationals this year. So this is the third year for uh, ETX, and it is scheduled for June 3rd and 4th, along with a free game night on Friday the 2nd uh, that has no badge requirements. So this is going to be a downtown Seattle this year under the shadow, so to speak, of the Space Needle. Uh, and there's going to be side events during the weekend, uh, including a Thrones team event that sounds cool on Friday night and a draft one of my favorite formats on Sunday. Uh, it's also going to be the first opportunity to play games like Rune Wars uh, miniature game uh, in an actual tournament setting. And there's going to be several Star Wars Destiny tournaments also. Many of your favorite publishers and uh, designers are going to be in attendance showing off their latest games. It's also the host of the Lucy Indie Game Design Award, uh, which, by the way, the submission window is still open. Finalists uh, are going to be judged on a live show by professional game designers like James Ernst, uh, Paul Peterson, and Mike Elliott. So weekend badges are $50 for the whole weekend and include entry into the Nationals tournaments. So uh, it's going to be a good time. If you can't attend, be sure to check out uh, the live streams uh, during the weekend that they're going to have, I believe, through Twitch. So there you have it. Okay, so this week we wanted to dive into a topic. And when I say we... I specifically mean Aaron, because he pretty much made this a condition of his return to the show for the week. Uh, and that is, now that we are at the end of a cycle, we're at the end of a uh, chunk of the competitive play season, or year, sorry, the, we're at the end of a season of the year. The restricted list has been on a lot of people's minds. Or a restricted list? Because we sure haven't heard anything from FFG about it. I think a restricted list is, if not necessary, amazingly helpful for the game right now. I think I can sort of prove why, but first, does anyone not want a restricted list, and why? I mean, I think it's kind of overwrought in demand at the moment. I think we, we've really seen things shift back and forth, even like over the course of this cycle. I think the card pool's getting to a large enough point where folks can naturally tech things, and we've seen stuff... That, that people were afraid were going to be huge, just overwhelming forces, you know, like Night's Watch defense, uh, flare up, and then maybe not necessarily taper off, but definitely kind of flatline as, uh, as other things, uh, particularly Lords of the Crossing started to uh, make inroads after that. I, I think we're in a pretty healthy spot of a, let's say, natural environment or meta evolution yeah i'm not sold all right i'm in so a, a lot halfway of... point like I, i'm a middle of the road person about the restricted list there's a couple things i'd like to see separated particularly stall, stra stall strategies but overall i'd say the meta is about 75 percent there there's just a few tweaks that they can be made at the margins to make it a little bit better so 75 percent is pretty darn good for for game of thrones i think so there are two potential purposes for restricted list right one is to just break up abusive combos, and the other is to shake up the meta. This next point is probably not, and I don't care if this sounds elitist, deal with it, it's probably not going to make a lot of sense to only 2.0 players, but it should to 1.0 and CCD players. 
in first edition, like, I don't know, name four decks, four different decks. From first edition? First edition. Um, Lanny Knights, okay, Starks. Hang on, slow down. So Lanny Knights was tempo. It tried to outdraw opponents and had enough rush to close. Stark Siege was a pure rush deck that was built around military challenges. What else? Sure. Uh, Greyjoy Characterless. Greyjoy, okay, Characterless is completely different. I mean, it's stall. <laughs> it's a stall strategy, but at least it had to win some challenges. Final choice. Uh, I don't know, something Martell. I mean, let's say Martell, Knights of the Hollow Hill, in honor of uh, the Fallen Greg. Sure. So Knights of the Hollow Hill was a very, very different kind of stall deck. It was challenge control, right? And it tried to use various events and draw a bunch of cards. So in first edition, when you looked at different decks, they were all trying to do different things. They were all trying to win the game in different ways. And a lot of the fun of the game was the interplay and how different things were trying to get done. In second edition, I'm going to argue that there are only really 2.5 types of decks. Everything is trying to win the game one of two ways. Either the Lannister Stark just like pop out big guys and aggro slash gain power fast enough to win. Or the Valor, Night's Watch, or Banner Stag, or Baratheon stall and win games that way idea. Ultimately, like, while there are different, like, every house is viable, more or less. But there are only two real ways to play the game successfully. Which I think, even if there are multiple different good houses, you're doing the exact same thing with them. So there's no variety in play. There's a lot there, Aaron. And I would argue that the restricted list is a really poor way to go about this because I feel like the reason that we're in this situation is a design decision of that was made way back in the core set, which was to put much more of a focus on the challenge phase itself. And then in the first and second Agreed. cycles, to print cards that largely focused on the set, on the uh, on the challenge phase. And that what that did is create a whole new group of players. And I don't mean this in a kind of sending way. I mean, it's like people who have only played second edition who really understand the game primarily as challenge based, which I think is what leads into some of the complaints about stall decks, which don't focus as much on the challenge phase and is the closest thing. So I think restricting some cards is not going to fundamentally give decks new win conditions. It could shape up the approach that houses take to one of the two strategies you outlined but i think short of nate and danny designing new cards coming up with new mechanics coming up with new themes or pushing or really doing something ffg never really does which is expand upon pre-existing themes um we are sort of stuck They're trying to figure the out hard pull Roy. it's seeding the card pool. Yeah. Um, i mean i'm i'm with roy here that like the most the restricted list can can hope to do is shift card choices um it is very unlikely to shift entire game plans and strategies that's a job for new cards and new design so that has traditionally not been the case in thrones or at least that wasn't the case for the entire second half of first edition's life cycle where the restricted list was used to open up new strategies and open up new decks and change the way decks work and there's very little reason that like the reason that these strategies the reason that these strategies are the ones that are so prominent in second edition is because they're the ones that win the most. So if you make them win less functionally by restricting, by saying you have to make a choice on whether you're going to use X or Y, you can make it so that other types, other options can win. So are you saying that you feel there are decks uh, with the current card pool that really have the the cards available for these other types of builds that you want? And they're just just being held out by something else that's better right now. 
Because I feel it's more likely that they don't have the tools they need. I think it depends on the faction, yeah? Yeah, I think there's some factions that'll still be aggro, but like Lannister can definitely do some stuff beyond straight aggro. Targ can do some stuff beyond straight aggro. Baratheon can do some stuff beyond stall. Um, Night's Watch. Yeah, well, they can do... Night's Watch can... Uh, Baratheon can run a control build, or they're getting to the point where they can run a viable control build if that... Oh, yeah. If that stall and... Um, I, I, okay. If stall I, and aggro weren't so prevalent, Stark can run pure rush if they weren't just, like, shit out big guys sit there. Like, there's I mean, they... They can definitely rush. <laughs> right. Okay. Like, so, but these are but these are T one options and not T two options. If you get rid of the top tier decks. Okay. So I, I, have I a guess couple. what I'm I guess my big problem is like if you just want to get rid of like okay so I I feel a little differently than I did like during the sort of Lanny Banner good stuff deck and the Stark Fealty deck that just kind of won everything for a while like in that meta. And we had some delay in product, and we had an announcement that certain packs wouldn't be legal, and that sort of thing. Like, right at the very tail end of the ramp-up to the competitive play season. So I... But now, I just I feel like I'm seeing new decks win store championships, like, every week. And I... Yeah! I don't, I don't necessarily feel like getting rid of top-tier decks necessarily means deck diversity if that but, makes sense but like what like what are you seeing win because i see new decks winning and all the new decks that win functionally after the first couple of weeks of dave's uh lanny jumper has just become like hey stall decks and like there's lots of different houses that are running stall decks uh, but like i think you're seeing wildly different things in the, in the store championships where? that i hit in the midwest here I, I watch Rush decks win two, a, a Martell Control win a third. I think things are shifting. Statistically, that doesn't bear out. I think you're right, Aaron. And I think that, like, where people, the tipping point's going to be in terms of, it, it, like, regional season. But what I'm saying is that, like, I don't necessarily think that if you just eliminate decks that are winning because we're complaining about stall right now, just like we were complaining about aggro a few months ago. I don't know that that necessarily means that like you just fix things. Right. That's that's why I don't like the idea of just getting rid of stall. This if you just get rid of stall, then it immediately reverts to just aggro. But if you get if you can get rid of or weaken instead of get rid of both stall and aggro to a point where other options can compete reliably, and a lot of this is a design decision that I don't think has been stated what it's around. It's around making sure that all the answers in the game go within the um, within the draw deck instead of in a plot deck. Once in a plot deck, so many more answers are on demand and you have all these different options, and you can make different decisions. When it's in the draw deck, it heavily increases variance, and it means that like you can lose a game by sitting at a table, and it's far more likely to happen. Or you can lose a game because they saw their draw cards before you did, and therefore they had whatever answers before you did. It's just, it becomes a game, instead of a game of strategy, and there will always be an element of strategy, a game of who saw what. It's a game where half the game is won based on what you put in the deck, and half the game is won based on how lucky you were to draw. And that's always going to be the case, but I feel like that swinginess of that being the case is large. Here's the thing, Aaron. Like, I agree with you, but I feel like having just come from a major 65-person, 64-person tournament... Like, I took three losses in the day. One of those was pure what you just described, which was he drew his best cards. 
I didn't draw my best cards, and he just ran over me. But my other two losses were entirely, or mostly, based upon play mistakes. Like, it was entirely like, I fucked up. I misplayed a turn, particularly one game that it was an obvious thing that I should have done, and I fucked up. And that's what I lost. That is much more what the tournament experience at 1.0 was like. And what I liked the tournament experience at 1.0, hold on, and it was not what it was like this time last year, or even around worlds. I think that the oh, this is why when I said the meta was 75% there, I think the game is steadily partially because of card pool moving in the direction that we would like it to do, which is that player skill is gradually rising to say be 40% over that var- or excuse me, 60% over a 40% variance, right? And now there are always going to be things cuz more answers are plots or excuse me, are draw cards than plots so far in second edition. But I think it's in a pretty decent space right now. So you're at a, you were at a tournament A with an di- with a disproportionate amount of top level players, and B that a hundred percent forces deck diversity. It's not a representative sample between a certain kind of deck like diversity. Because I played a lot of are, Banner Kraken. Right. Okay. So you're going to play a lot of Banner Kraken, and you're going to run into a lot of Banner Stag and Watch, because those are the three real strategies, right? Like, or you can run Fealty, and then you have to run these fifteen cards that answer Banner Stag, Banner Kraken, and Banner Watch. Is that fair? Is that a fair statement? And Banner Lion is also in there too. Is yeah, I don't think Banner, Banner Lion is pretty relevant. Good. I don't think it's nearly as relevant. I think that Banner Lion is nice, but Lion doesn't offer you any tools to defeat the other three in particular. And if it doesn't in particular counter the meta, it becomes a T two option. The only banner that's performing above ratio right now is Kraken. The others are all good, and but Mono House is doing better because you can just run your bar- your uh excuse me your Night's Watch fealty now and know that you're safe. Like there's very little you can do. I guess my my question then is like, I, I go back to a question I asked earlier. Like earlier in the year we were complaining about well I guess last year we were complaining about aggro and now we're complaining about stall. No, so, that's not that's not the complaint. You're mistaking the complaint completely. No, I'm I'm, I'm asking you like legitimately like is your because I I had to get up and take care of something here at home. Like, is your complaint more along the lines of trying to create a restricted list that diversifies deck options among all houses, or is it really to just nerf specific combos? I think nerfing specific combos is a poor use of the restricted list. I think it always has been. I think it leads to a more boring game. I think trying to instead create deck building options in different deck types. Like you, if you restrict um, the easiest example I can think of is both Mel and the Painted Table. You have fundamentally created two or three different Barra deck types without having to create different. Without like you can wait for new cards, and if the designers know that they've printed new cards that are going to fundamentally change how we have to build decks from now on, great. But given evidence thus far in the way second edition is developed, I don't believe that's going to be the case. Let's assume that things remain relatively similar to the way they are. There's no reason that in every barrier deck you're just not doing the exact same thing. There's no reason that in every Lanny deck you're not just hoping for aggro with the same exact answers. You can have different deck types within a house, but if you don't want to just go, okay, I'm running the dominance package with Neil, every single time you need to do something to break that kind of thing up. And it's not about abusive combos, it's about forcing deck building decisions. And then you might find that different things are rising to the top, because you can't just go, I'm sitting down against Lannister, and I know they're going to try and do this, that, the other thing. I'm sitting down against Lannister. What are they going to do? Is Harren Hall their restricted card? Is Time on their restricted card? What differences does that make in the deck? What differences does that make in play? And very few houses and very few combinations offer you anything approaching it. 
And again, like we might get an agenda tomorrow. We might get, I don't even know what agenda it would be that completely changes this. But assuming that we do not, the game is going to remain fairly monochrome. Best things are identified, best things are played. And like the, that inventive stuff is there, but it's inventive stuff using the exact same strategy. I, th- I think that is, uh, to me, where I disagree with the way that you're looking at this. I, I think that you are looking at this through that first edition lens of a card pool that had reached such a size that the inertia uh, of any new release of cards was so low in comparison that it was unlikely to shake up, move, shift the meta, cause a realistic trade-off between playing this version of Danny or that version of Danny, that type of thing. In second edition, we have such a smaller pool uh, at this point that it is so much more likely for a new pack to shift that. I do feel that we've we've watched that happen uh, over the course of second edition, a- and I do feel that we've already even seen previewed cards coming from this cycle that are going to organically force uh, some of those kind of, of choices, like look at look at the people that were you know freaking out, either excited or angry about uh, the new Melisandre we've had previewed, and that is going to cause a very real shift due to the choice in ha- in being able to play one or the other, which in many ways you know leads to the end result that you're wanting, but without kind of the external forced restricted list. New Melisandre is not good, but okay. we'll, we'll get to that later. I want to push. Will and I kind of came to that conclusion too, but yeah, go yeah, ahead. Right? That, that New Melisandre is definitely not good. But I mean, wait, um, there have only been two shifts so far. You're acting like there's a million shifts. There's the Corset meta. There's when First Snow shook shit up, and then we survived with the First Snow meta. And now there's the Valor had stall. So unless like those are like spoiler, First Snow and Valor are first edition cards. Like the big meta shakeups have been entirely due to reprinting them. There are actually CCG cards, but okay. Uh, there is no CCG. <laughs> that's that's pretty true. Thanks for that one, Luke. But, I mean, these are the cards that have shaken up the game. Like, it's not really anything else. Like, they print other shit that works with it or against it or helps it or hurts it, but, like, stalls rise. The difference in stall is that they have a reliable reset. The difference in aggro was that they could clear out the chud, so the boards weren't huge anymore. And that's functionally the game so far. I mean, the the question is then, I mean, I would, I would argue that there's been a couple other shifts uh, as well, uh, kind of in amongst those. But let's just even say that there are two, that there were two more. You know, grant me that much to say that there were four total shifts. I mean, the game's been out for a year and a half. How often are you wanting a large game-shifting sort of event? So the goal isn't to shift the game. Or sorry, the goal isn't to shift the meta. The goal is to shift the different ways the game can be played, the different things you're trying to do in the game. Okay. In a stall deck, you're trying to make things not happen, and you're trying to reset the board, get the board small enough so that you can win while things don't happen. In an aggro deck, you're trying to functionally kill shit and then win the game. Like, that's it. Like, there's... Or deny them killing your shit so you can win the game. But there's nothing else to it. And there's, like... When we did the four first edition decks, there's not... Like, and sure, those are later in the game, but you can go five years earlier than that, or four years earlier than that, and come up with just as varied decks 
because there were different ways to play. There were, I mean, a lot of this comes down to there actually being control or control actually being viable, right? But like control and rush are in every card game functionally ever a viable part of the game and they're not also further nate has traditionally hated stall so i'd be very surprised if we didn't break up stall i'm so surprised just you know here i am agreeing with you but i am surprised to see it become so prominent and even just get the cards to begin with because of his antipathy to toward it in the past yeah i feel like something's just going to be done about that because like if we know one thing about Nate, in first edition, there were like six or seven different stall decks over the years. And like every time one came out, Nate fucking hammered it. Yup. <laughs> Hardcore. Right. I mean, but here's the thing, Aaron. I think the point that you're missing, though, is that I don't think that there are that many different ways to play the game at a fundamental level. There's a variety of different ways that you can play the game because of the cards that exist. And the brilliant thing about First Edition was, and the CCG and games with big card pools is that the, that big card pool creates huge opportunities. And and look, if you remember that, that huge drop-off that happened from the CCG to the LCG and listening to people who were veteran LCG players, then in many ways that first couple of years of the LCG, while we can look yeah. back on it with – Oh, yeah. We yeah, can look back wait, on it with Rose. Take a look at the finish, Aaron. The first Hold edition on. course, yeah. it's not the same. It's a faulty comparison. No, no, hold on, okay? And then – you know, and say, oh, it was great, but it necessarily was. Like, I've listened to people complain about it. It got better over time as the card pool grew. I think that's the case here, because really, with the current cards we have, there aren't that many options. The only thing I think that is relatively suppressed by the current card pool is Rush. Rush is really punished. It can win. It does win sometimes, but anything can win. A Direwolf deck can win if you get if it runs hot. But oh, it, it does, it's... A tier two deck most of the time because of both stall and aggro. The way the kill, the, the cards that are printed for kill Sweet. and for snow and all these kinds of things. The idea of getting tons of cheap bodies with renown and winning the game very quickly is very difficult to pull off right now. So I think what so you, you, you. But control doesn't exist. Stall is not but control. control. I mean, but, but see, control, but stall is control. I right think now. it is. That's okay. how you play. No, yeah. it's not. It's not. It's, look, yes. I, I was a pure control player for 90% of 1.0. Stall is literally just waiting. Like stall is what you do. Stall is what you do while you wait for your um, control to set in. It's like stall in a, as a strategy in and of itself is not control. You're trying to stall so you can get the lock in with control. Stall in and of itself is a component of control, but you know what's missing from it? The actual control. Well, I I would say it's maybe the closest thing to what Throne Second Edition has. Uh, as a combo equivalent it, it has some control aspects but you really need to hit these very certain cards and set up this game state that leads to your inevitable win it's not an you know infinite loop that wins the game for you that turn like magic it's still going to take you turns to get there but you want to set up that machine and then just watch it run after that so, speaking to card variety, what a restricted list does is not reduce card variety, it increases card variety, because it increases deck variety, and your deck is trying to do different things, you get to look at different cards and play different cards. When you can't play Melisandre, there's no point in running those extra couple of shy characters, and now you're like, oh, well, what about this card that I've never really run before, how does this fit? Or what about this banner that I would have never run with this before, because now this fits. It 
what creates different decks when you don't have the cards is the restricted list. Because as much as everyone loves to talk about the great variety of first edition, there were like X cards you used for each faction, right? Or each, sorry, excuse me, house first edition. But there were X cards you used for first edition. You knew which cards you were choosing from when you started the last deck. You weren't starting from all of them. And then occasionally the restricted list would be like, well, I'm not using that one, so now it's time to start looking at this one or the other one. Well, that was a problem due to the size of the card pool. Well, okay. No, I think that's that, the, like, right. that, that will happen eventually no, no, in an eternal format, no matter what. My point. In typical... It's, the restricted list makes you play different cards, right? If yes. you only have X cards, then you have to start looking for different combinations when things are restricted. The same combinations will no longer work. They'll no longer work to the same effect. When you're looking for different combinations, things work differently, and you've created a, di a diversified game. If you this restrict is a much better argument. two cards per faction, I'd argue that three is probably necessary. But if you restrict three cards per faction because of the banner system, then you functionally break the game and everyone has to relearn what, what's good and what works. And that kind of creation and creativity leads to a vibrant meta where people are trying to do different things because it, instead of going, well, I know I'm going to have to deal with stall, you're going to go, well, stall might not work. And what, what other things stop stall if I don't have to deal with both the haunted forest and the wall or both? Or I know the wall's not going to necessarily have that draw because the raven's also going. Wait, so then what would you put on it if you're going between two and three cards per faction? So, I mean, I, I just, I don't know that there's that many cards. Oh, there are. I did it with uh, with Johnny two days ago. When when I proposed this, I was like, because if there's one person who agrees with me, it's Johnny. Um, so we sat there and we came up with two or three cards per faction. That would fundamentally change how you have to build those decks and what they can try and do. So before we talk about the actual cards, I do want to say something right here. This is a much more convincing argument than the one you were making earlier in the podcast. It just took me a while to get there. You have to build one. You don't start with the main point. You build. Come on, baby. It's, re it's rhetoric. Sure. But anyway, <laughs> I, think, I, I, think that, uh, I think that this is much closer to where a good argument for it is. Particularly, and as I've said this before, I think, and I can't remember if it was on the White Book or the Suns, is we're entering a card drought period, right? We have no idea when FFG is going to drop cards on us again. And the ability to sort of, as Aaron said, force people to look at other cards that you know, may not hit those sort of high Jamie level immediate, uh, immediate slot in spots is a really good thing to do until, until we get some new cards that will force people to do that because they're brand new cards. So uh, I think that that's a really great argument for the restricted list, Aaron. All I know is that so if somebody says treachery, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm absolutely going to say treachery. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, right. I, 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 I will don't go believe to that, war with you, Aaron. Let's, let's see what this. else we've got. So where do you want to start? Pick a house. Start with uh, let's start with the middle of the road. Uh, let's start with Barra. I think that will probably be something that we will all be much closer on. I think. Okay, a, a lot shifts in Barra, and whether you want to um, restrict the Iron Throne, I vote no restricting the Iron Throne, and just let other people run Iron Thrones and try and win dominance too. Make make the dominance phase something that matters. But if you decide to restrict the Iron Throne, you only need to restrict two Barra cards, Melon Painted Table. If think, you do, yeah. if you sorry, if you don't restrict the Iron Throne, Bob has to go too. Because a giant strength Bob that wins Dom or kneels out whatever would win you Dom is not going to work. If, if you have the Iron Throne also. I mean, I don't think Bob has to go on that. I, I understand your argument for Mel and Iron Throne. Or not Mel and Iron Throne, Mel and, and Table. If Iron Throne is on, like, Bob will win you dominance, right? Like, at the end of... Right, like but Bob is Bob is just as vulnerable and just as much of a tempo hit as every other seven-coster. 
So, like, I understand the impulse to restrict a, like, a mid-range, incredibly efficient bicon that you want to have on the table that contributes directly to, like, two different deck archetypes, and then the other card that is just, like, the most annoying card to play against in the game. Sorry, Night's Watch players, Baradam is way worse. It is very frustrating oh, yeah. to get, like... I finally got one power, no, I didn't. I finally got one power, no, I didn't. So but I don't think that Bob necessarily has to be on there. I can understand the argument for it. I'm just saying that, like, he is just as vulnerable and creates just as many dead dupes as a 7-drop I, I, than I definitely, any other 7-drop in any other faction. I definitely agree with Luke here. I think uh, I think there's a better argument for the Iron Throne getting soft banned than there is for uh, for Robert going on the restricted list, as sometimes annoying I, as Robert can be. Uh, I, I think with the soft ban of the Iron Throne. Making the Barra choose between Neil and uh, and Dominance, I think, is really good, particularly if, as the new Melisandre points us to, that there's going to be more Dominance tech coming in the third cycle. The ability of sort of say, Looks hey, like hey, you can't, you know, obviously not running Melisandre, you know, the core Melisandre means, you, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too. While the new Melisandre may not that be good, there may be cards, other Dominance cards that are good that would be NPEs or near MPEs with uh, the core Melisandre instead of the new one. So I think this is a very reasonable list. Uh, by And I also like that it's going to separate the plaintiff chamber, uh, chamber from other abusive cards or, pa- or above-curve cards in other factions. So I, I actually like this list, which is why I think it was good that we started with Barra. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I accept the existence of a list to begin with, I think those do sound reasonable. Next. I think I think it's Greyjoy next. Okay. Um, Should be. So Greyjoy has two definites, Balon and the Mines. And then you're making a decision between the Sea Bitch and Victorian. Vic over Vic over Balon at this point. Infinitely more yeah, so than Balon. I think I you don't agree. Want, you, don't want, you don't want to nerf three different... Uh, remember that like if this is going to happen in a different house, you don't want three different non-loyal cards. No, no. I'm saying for, forget Balon at all and just go Victarian Mines. Separate them. Yes, I agree. I think it's it's the density of saves that needs addressed there, if anything does. So do you want to also do Seabitch to give locations room to breathe since so many are being restricted? Because if you're going to restrict a bunch of locations, then having Seabitch be an easy choice becomes less attractive. I mean, the question is whether or not Seabitch is going to be a good card if we sort of break up the location-heavy decks. Like, we break up right. Watch, and we break up In- Tyrell Watch, and we break up, you know, Night's Watch, Stag, or whatever. Sure. In in a Greyjoy deck, it wouldn't be great because Greyjoy has more location here, right? But in a Banner Kraken deck, it's an easy include. Um, by the way, it's hilarious. Simone wouldn't let Sandy play Seabitch in his deck, and it would have won him like all the games Sandy lost. Um, but Seabitch is such an easy include as a banner. Like Kraken is still almost too easy of a banner because, like, if you run into those location decks, if you run into a deck that's playing one of those, Seabitch is just like, well, I've got my Iron Mines and my Seabitch, and now I feel good about this. I'm not like fundamentally opposed to having a built-in banner package. Because if it is easy, then people know what to tech for. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't you, think that that's, like, the worst thing ever. And besides, like, sure, Banner Kraken's performing well right now, but Main House Greyjoy isn't necessarily performing as well as we all thought it would. How do you tech for Seabitch? Uh, me personally? Treasure. Unless I play Lannister? Yeah. No, not really. Exactly. That's kind of 
the point, right? Well, unless I play three nightmares, which I do in a lot of decks nowadays. So yeah, kind of. Also yeah. true. But that's that's everything counter. Like you're not really teching for Seabitch. You're just sort of running another good card, right? Well, that's like, sort of what you were talking about earlier. I don't want people to like want a restricted list based on teching for certain cards. You know what I mean? Like I want that. I, I like the fact that. I think Victarion is a, like a legitimate option to consider, and Iron Mines is a legitimate option to consider. But I would probably throw Seabitch on there. I don't know that Seabitch is necessary. Like, there's one faction that provides like consistent location control that's not prohibitively expensive, and that's Greyjoy. And do, do they not do that? That's anymore? their thing. That's their house identity. But do and they I they don't like do the anymore? idea of necessarily just saying well in this particular environment it's really really good and then who knows what's going to happen in two months and i know that that's the the argument also for the restricted list is that it can change and things can go on and off i just i don't know i don't think that it's necessary at the moment so locations in a reset environment an environment that has valor locations are never going away like unless something comes out and becomes a hundred percent prevalent in the meta and it's absolutely everywhere, like get used to locations being a big deal in the meta. We learned that in first edition. I'd assume you learned that in the CC. Time to play political disaster. Right, but even then, like <laughs> even then, with that not being cannot be saved, and like so many locations just being like, well, I'll keep a haunted forest and a and a wall, and you kind of just shrug, right? Like, because the resets are going to keep the board small enough that those locations are going to have that extra value. I definitely do agree that this is locations have sort of returned. And I, I'm more sympathetic towards Seabitch because I think Seabitch is a really good answer to a couple of decks that we have uh, that exist in the meta right now. Night's Watch and, to a lesser extent, Barra, but can kind of be sometimes suppressive to other location builds. So... I don't know. I go back and forth to see switch, but I, I definitely think that Vic separating Vic from Iron Mines and saying, as you said, like, all right, what am I going to Banner Kraken for? Am I going to Banner Kraken for a few answers to a Valor or to some other form of reset or kill, or do I want more aggro tools? And I think by forcing people to make that decision, it sort of creates avenues for deck building that I like. So I like Vic and I like Iron Mines. I don't like Balon. I think the age of Balon being sort of NPE, it, well, so overly NPE. It's not about him being a P. It's about saying, if you're running Balon instead of those, you're saying, I'm going for an unopposed rush deck. It's about making you make different deck-building choices rather than just going, I'm playing Greyjoy, so I'm going to run Balon. I'm, I'm playing Greyjoy, and I want to try and have those extra saves, or I'm playing Greyjoy to rush, and I want to run Balon. It's about different deck-building decisions. It's not just about breaking things up. It's about making you say, I want my deck to do this. Okay, but here's the thing, Aaron. Roy, think... didn't you just say that Struhal just built a deck without Core Balon? Struhal builds everything. Like yeah, if, if no, look, if, when everyone learns when everyone learns to build by Struhal, we don't need anything. Then then every I, then, not, then, that's why I'm saying that we don't need him on the like, list. It, it happens. Right, we don't need him on the list. I'm, I, I and I think that Iron Mines is actually pretty crucial to a rush strategy because it allows you to further protect your rush. Like I don't think the problem with Greyjoy yeah. right now is Balon with with Iron Mine saves. Like I don't think that's no, what but the problem. We're not Greyjoy talking about is. problems. Here. Okay, You're okay. Stuck on problems. I'm sorry. Like, forget, I don't think the problems. boringness of the faction of Greyjoy is Balon and Iron Mine's fault. To put it in the language that you would prefer. Sure, but. If unopposed becomes its own thing and like saves in the long term aggregate become its own thing, like you can instead of making rush rely on having saves, you can make rush a strategy that could legitimately just go out and straight crazy rush, right? 
Like, you could have, like, real magic-style rush where you can legitimately win turn one or two before Valor if you don't have to worry about saves. That's always going to have to be kept in check by the prevalence of saves. Like, that Greyjoy has Iron Mines and the zero-cost event, and they can run bodyguards and everything else, functionally means that, like, you can't... Like, Greyjoy can never have that extra bit of rush that means it can really win turn one or two, because if it can really win turn one or two really consistently, and it has those saves, it's OP. If it doesn't have those saves, but it can win turn one or two. I feel, like, I feel like we're talking a lot about blue cards, and none of us care about blue cards at all. Like, none of us give a shit about Greyjoy. Um, so. I care about shaking up, like, making choices. And I played Greyjoy for a season once to get a bat. Well, then there you go, and, and you played a boat's <laughs> deck. So uh, I think we should talk about Lannister next, because this is the... This is the, like, arguably second most interesting discussion on the podcast, in my opinion. This is the con- controversial one, because I don't have Tyrion on my list. There was, a long what? there was a long discussion about why Tyrion didn't make it there. It was Tywin, Harrenhal, and uh, Treachery. Okay, so I said it earlier, I think that Treachery should not be on a restricted list, period. Um, I think that because it's only in one house... Look, you can run Treachery in your Lannister lots of decks, right? Your Intrigue-based Lannister decks are going to run Treachery. Your Clansmen Lannister decks are going to run Treachery. But I think having it be Bannerable sort of forces an annoying choice on players. Like, either print more shit that does something similar to Treachery for other houses, or get it out of banners. Functionally, what um, this is intended as saying is if you're playing Pure Jumper, you shouldn't need Treachery. Play Jumper. If you're playing... Aggro, take the same risk that every other aggro house has to take, because every other aggro house has to take the risk of, like, their big guys getting smoked. So you run Nightmares and sort of, like, hope for the best, but it's not the same as just Treachery, which is such a big catch-all. And then there's, um, if you're, like, not running one of those, then go ahead, have Treachery. Like, a real choice to run Treachery, instead of, like, well, Lannister deck, three Treachery, and now I've got an immediate leg up on every other house that's not... Lannister or Bannerline. Make them play the same game everyone else's. Okay, so let me push back just a little bit because I, I don't think that your arguments are not sound. Like, I think that you you make a lot of good points. I'm just saying that, like, it is for this game that is, like, a lot of times dependent not only on economy and challenge order and strength, but also on triggers. I think it is insane to restrict the only check on actions and reactions that are currently like on the board in this current environment and then like we can talk about stark later of course but um i just i think that that's just a bad idea i i really hate the i I understand the complaints about it being so cheap and it being so efficient but i don't think that it's a good idea to have zero checks on the environment for any bolded keywords that go off. I mean, there are still a check. There's nightmares. Okay, I need to, before Aaron gets to Grimmsman, I need to kind of agree with Luke here, which is because I think Nate and Danny balance the game as much as we hate it around treachery, right? There's a lot of OP, super swingy character and location triggers that are kept in check by treachery as much as we, as much as i hate it and as much as you hate for having example, these things i need examples ice 
uh, iron sometimes so iron mines. Winterfell. It could be sea bitch. It could be Varys. Varys. Like, all right. Varys is one of those things. Like, and as much as the worst feeling play in the world when you're the Varys player is getting your Varys treacheried, it's still necessary to keep him somewhat suppressed. Now, the problem with treachery is just simply the way in which the card was designed, that it is in one house and one house that it's not that treachery is the only above curve card in that faction. It's one of many. So when you go Banner of Lion, you go, I would rather restrict things around treachery so that you, when you go to Banner of Lion, that's what you get for a jack building decision. You have to restrict like every... Oh, you mean like Tyrion? Wait, no, because there's just so many uniques in Lannister. They just got a box. You're not restricting enough. Like, if it had the Lord and Lady restriction, then maybe you could pull that off, but it doesn't. It just says Lannister unique. No. The, so you're just sticking Lannister uniques in there. You're going to do that whether you banner or not anyway. You can't restrict enough Lannister uniques to make treachery a bad idea. And everything you said... I don't think you ice, should make treachery a bad idea. Everything but. you have except ice is countered by nightmares, which everyone has the option to choose. Every house should not have the option to treachery, and there should be a real trade-off when you choose to use trade. I mean, if you're just going to use everyone can play nightmares as your argument, then you can also say that about hand's judgment to cancel the treachery. Sure, but now we've now instead of expanding deck building decisions, we've limited them further. And we've said that like now this is always going to be like auto include, I'm doing this every time. I don't really think it comes to that point, just by dint of not everyone's going to be playing Lannister, particularly if you're tempering the house as a whole. Uh, so then you got to decide, do I plan on playing this for what might be one quarter of my matchups and go all in on that one particular thing for one card in that matchup? But So treachery is never going to be a bad card, right? Like, it, you're always going to want to run Treachery. You're always going to want it. It's extremely powerful. Like, if houses become semi-even in strength, like, remotely even in strength, Lannister's always going to have a leg up because they have the only reliable cancel. That needs to be a decision. You can still run Treachery in your Banner Lion decks, but now you're not running... Well, I guess now you're not running whatever you're in-house restricted. You're not running the Iron Mines and Treachery. You're not running... um the painted table and treachery make a decision make a deck building choice and now you changed how you fundamentally build and play those okay so let me make an argument real quick for treachery in the sense that like one of the things that sparked this whole conversation not just on the facebook group but like in other forums and then like of course on this podcast was like the need to break up some of these stall strategies treachery does that like treachery is a good check against some of the triggers that those stall decks really, really rely on. And as well, Aaron said he wants to That's push some other that. strategies like control, and treachery is a very strong control card. You know, if, if you're looking at strategies as a whole, lowering treachery's effectiveness is, is a solid ding towards control's effectiveness. But you're not lowering treachery's effectiveness. You're lowering treachery's prevalence which is a very different thing and i'm not saying that this needs to be done to break up stall like breaking up stall or aggro or whatever else is absolutely not the goal of this list the goal of this list is to create deck building and play style decisions okay aaron want to play lannister control then you would have treachery if you want to play lannister jumper then you would have Heron. if you wanted to play aggro you would have Tiger. 
Tyrion okay. does not accomplish any of that. I don't want us to go down more into the weeds from the first segment, but literally what that is is breaking things up. Like you're saying, like yeah. you can't just have all the Lannister good stuff or all of the good the Greyjoy good stuff. You have to break it up into specific archetypes and themes, which is exactly what Will and Luke and I are saying when we say break up. We're just being more explicit about it, and you're trying to dodge that by saying that it's not about breaking <laughs> up. It's about doing this. No, which, no. It's which, not about breaking up that specific archetype. It's not I, about breaking up stall. It's not that's not about breaking up. I just couldn't everything. let you go on any longer without saying that. But we should probably move on to another faction. As much as we could talk uh, about Did you agree? I was gonna say Aaron and I are gonna have to have it out about treachery at some point, but did yeah, you agree on Aaron Hall and Tywin? I mean I don't know that I, I, I don't I'm, know yet. I think Tywin for sure. I just I don't Tywin know is the yet. Auto auto restri- OP restrict is what Tywin is. So yeah, and just Aaron Hall Aaron Hall plus Tywin is a nasty strong combo. It is gross. Like, it is it's gross. really the hound. I'd personally rather see the hound. But anyway, that's fine. Move on. Let's go to another faction. We should talk about we should talk about Martell. Which yeah. Okay. Okay. Nymeria and uh the Bone I think you're really stretching for the Bone Way. I'm just oh, gonna throw that out yeah, there. I think I think I, I think that he makes a good point. But... In com- in combination with other stall, the Bone Way is not OP on it, so it's the bone way plus the other stall cards where it becomes extremely oppressive. Like, extremely oppressive. Right. It's, well, like, you know, Jeremy posted that Martel stag, right? And so if you restricted both the bone way and, um, and chamber, the then that deck doesn't just, like, reset the board five different times. And, yeah, and then just go, whoop, you won a challenge, I win the game. You couldn't get any yeah, power on anything, it. and I took all your power. Yeah, it's that, it's that combo. And that has to be separated. So, like, I think the bone way has to be. And then um, Nymeria, just because, like, make a decision. You want to run stall and Martell? Great, but you don't get to just run all the icon control and stall. Run bounce and stall. What bounce? Like, I just, I mean, Gaston. I don't know, man. Arianne. Just, just Gaston. And Arianne. Arianne is not, not he's bouncing your character. Whatever. Whatever. Um, sure. That's uh, that. Yeah. I, I mean, yes. Nymeria is the only obvious target, unless it's going to be Arianne. But I don't think Arianne is OP restrict. Uh, I think it's. I think Nymeria is a smart card. It's a good future proofing because it's easy to forget these days. But Banner Sun was pretty suppressive in the past uh, of, of of different deck types. So it's it's good to see her on the list. It's good future proofing for the list. So I like it. Hey, there's something else that shifted in the meta as more cards came well, out. What, what you don't want to happen functionally is like the only thing that scared um, that type of stall out and it was just another type of stall. The only thing that scared that type of stall out was that Night's Watch has so much no attachments. So you could conceivably still run Nymeria. You can't have any um, attachments and then run whatever stall. You can't have any, excuse me, icons and then whatever stall comes with that to win the game. Now, if you would be if you'd be getting rid of icons, you'd have to find other ways to win the game instead of just straight up stall is the goal. I think stall and control are really kind of like merging in Aaron's mind. In, in Martell, because when, no, only when in that Martell deck was prevalent, like Roy was talking about, I really feel that was a control deck and not a stall deck. Martell's the only... Martell and Corset Baratheon have been the control decks that have survived, even in both only lasted for a little while before they were run out of the meta by other things. They were like I don't think Martell needs time. any nerfing at the moment. Let's talk about yeah, Stark. It, it's very minor. Speaking yeah. of the fact it doesn't need nerfing in this current meta. Can we, uh, uh, can we nerf Septa Mordain? Can we put her on the restricted list? No. Oh man, Winterfell. Okay, carry on. 
Winterfell core cat Edward. You're the easiest house. I don't like putting cat Bastard, on there. You mean? A hundred percent. Do not like putting cat on there. Like. Yeah. Like Winterfell Eddard, that's fine. But like Winterfell and Corcat, no, 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 no. Corcat and Winterfell are part of the same theme package. You could argue. The like, idea is that Winterfell should be at least a consideration for part of a winter package, and that it's just too much shutdown of everything. If everything, I just else feel is like two loyal cards on a restricted list it's, it's this early in the game it's not would cripple deck types. It's not too loyal cards. Oh, Winterfell's loyal. Yes, Winterfell's yeah. loyal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Lannister would have been playing it. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, I don't know. All right, fine. You can take Cat off, and you can put Eddard. Eddard and Winterfell is is Ed- nah, you want you I, want a third. I don't know you why you want a third. a third. Like I, because I'm not sure you need a third. Because you need to break. Because if you are making different things happen for different houses, Stark, by virtue of their incredibly OP box immediately becomes OP. Aaron, I just played a lot of Stark, and Stark is in many ways the faction that is best argue argument for your uh, restricted list, and that's because Core Eddard creates a situation where he is a center of gravity, and to a lesser extent Winterfell, but he, Eddard himself is a center of gravity that sort of pushes all, particularly mono Stark decks, in a different in a single direction. If you say Eddard, and plus you get, you know take Eddard out of the good banner of the wolf package stuff too. But you know just within Stark itself, you know you say okay, if you want Eddard, Eddard is now a rush card. He's about turning the Blackfish on. He's about pulling this stuff instead of the Stark good stuff. Let's just get kind of decently efficient characters that kind of do stuff so then, sometimes. So then, what else has to go is Arion. Uh, not Arion, Arya. If that's the case, what has to go is Arya. If you're she taking of, if you're taking Eddard away though, like. Because you're not taking Eddard away. A restricted list is not a banned list. And Eddard is still there for it. when you're running a Stark banner. If you're running Martell with a banner of the wolf, you're just going to take Eddard. You're, you're going to run Eddard in a lot of things. Almost but you're not going to run the Bone Way. You're not going to run Nymeria. That's fine. Like, that's and, a huge and loss you, and you, for that deck. What is Arya? What is Why do I keep pulling Arya? What does Arya do? Arya provides uh, ba- saves. Uh, saves and stealth and the ability to recycle her with summer creates consistency that allows stark to sort of weather the valor storm though the reset storm in general so so all of when you combine all of those things with either a full denial or a full rush she has to go to there has to be a choice there and you can still choose there's definitely decks where i would still choose Arya, but Arya has to go to i don't know i so I, strongly I, disagree with this aaron <laughs> Like, I, I do think, too. Um, I just like, I don't we, think that you guys like, are strongly underrating. You, it's amazing how quickly we forget exactly how good Stark was. I and restricting just Winterfell and Eddard does not break Stark up. If you only restrict those two cards, Stark it Stark all the guys is just functionally immediately the best at the game. I mean, I guess because of not just the existence of Core Rob, but all the other like super efficient renowned bodies that they have yeah I... you just you just start running all the guys again you need to, and they need to be able to at the very least feel the threat of valor especially in the deck that early valor that could end their game needs to be there and if they're running aria that's never gonna happen i guess i understand yeah i just i feel like in this current card pool like it's developed enough where there's enough checks on it like there's enough ways to muck with stark's tempo a hundred percent there's a lot of reasons to muck with stark's tempo like like Valor, you just said one of them, like sure. multiple and resets, like attachment, Man, like the Martell attachment, like stall, like craven, like the wall, which can be a problem for Stark, like nightmares, 
like Choke. treachery. All, all the all the guys barely cares about any of that. It just keeps shitting out guys. It um look like all right if you don't think I would insist on Arya or at least no it has to be Arya. It can't even be a uh, time for bulls. Like Arya is too strong in that deck. She changes everything. Because the second you see one dupe, now you have two dupes. And the second you have two dupes, Valor is less of a threat because you're always going to come out ahead. Unless you're playing Greyjoy. I feel like we can talk about a faction that doesn't need nerfing at all. Yeah, I feel like I, I could go round and round on uh, the ability to play Valor against Stark, um, which I wish I had more of. So maybe I'm with you there. Let's see what the listeners Targ. say and move on to Targ. Targ. You know we skipped Night's Watch, right? Well, the Night's oh, Watch yeah. technically doesn't start with an H, so it's actually a T. Why would it start with an H? It's technically well, because the other ones are house, whatever. Oh, that's silly. <laughs> it is actually All the right. Night's Watch. Yeah. yeah. That's just really silly. Cause the yeah, because it should have happened. Then if it were that way, it should have happened between Martell and Stark. Yeah, I know. I was like, why are we doing Stark? I thought we were gonna talk. Yeah, let's talk about oh. Targ. Yeah, All right. Which is my uh, deck du jour at the moment. Like, you definitely want to restrict your characters. And probably Miri. Those are the I, only I, two I, cards. Those I are my choices. There's yeah. there's an argument to be made that I don't know if I agree with Johnny and I had the conversation about Drogo. This way you you say if you're going to run Dothraki, run Dothraki. Run Drogo, run the Jumpers, and run Dothraki. Because that's not the burn deck, right? Like, that doesn't fit. Um, I can see it. I don't care either way. Like, I don't think that Targ would be okay. Yeah, Drogo is fundamental to, like, Targ being able to be even competitive. Yeah. I would much rather see the crown go than Drac, but that's just me. Yeah, but when the crown is already one per deck, and one per deck restriction yeah. to yeah. it, it's, it's, it's already effectively a ban. No, it, it, it's got to be Drac and it's got to be Miri, and then you can make, have the discussion on Drogo. I see the points for it and against it. I don't think that if with all the other restrictions, Drogo would be needed to make Targ, but you could always add it later if that were the case, or take it off, depending on what you decided at first. Ultimately, I don't think Drogo is especially important. I just like the idea of Dothraki being a Dothraki thing. So maybe you would want to put, um, what's the standy one? The summer standy guy? Ago. Ago. Yeah, you could always do Ago. And then, like, you know if you're playing Ago, you're just going to play Dothraki, and it's not just sheer efficiency in every card deck. Like, Miri and Drac are the only ones that make sense, but I, even then, I... I, I just I think that Targ's in a weird spot in the meta where they don't necessarily have like great matchups, but they don't necessarily have bad ones either, and they just kind of middle around in the middle. Sure, but if everything else is getting changed downward, right? Yeah, you would have to take into account all the other stuff that's going on. I mean, Miri so, needs um, to go on to just prevent Banner of Dragon from being, you know, out of, uh, yeah. what it was in the world's meta, right? So... Yeah, no, I definitely agree with Miri and Drac, sure. Like, I mean, it, if you're if you're going with the two card theme, something's got to be there, and then like putting Danny on there doesn't make any sense. Maybe Cal Drogo instead of Drac is another option, but like, it's just like no. it's got to be Miri uh, plus no. something else. It'd be Miri and Drac are definite, and I think then you're deciding if you want Drogo, Echo, or nothing. I think and I restricting any of the Dothraki stuff makes no sense at this particular point in the game. I, I like, I've been playing a lot of Targ Burn lately because that's just my like. It's I run a goofy deck that is like trying to recur stuff, and it's not particularly like T one or anything, but it's really fun to play. And I've run some other more optimized versions of it too. And like, if you make it to where you have to run Drac or Drogo, that deck doesn't work because you can't put pressure. You can't do anything. There's no other like mid range 
guys in Targ or even at the upper end of the curve besides Danny and Miri. And if Miri's going to be on the restricted list, Targ is not competitive if you restrict Drogo. It, it A, depends what else we would get. But B, Targ would have to do what any other house that wants to do aggro does and run stuff like two plane plots and put to the sword, which they can get away without because they have Drogo. It just fundamentally changes your calculus when you start building your deck. You have to decide, like, okay, now I'm looking at these plots instead of these plots. Because I don't usually, like, I occasionally consider one two-plane plot for Targ, but I don't really need it because I know I have Drogo. You're just looking at two-plane instead. Yeah. Like, there's I just mean, different decisions. Yeah, I understand. I, I just, I think that, like, maybe there's an argument for that later on as we get some yeah. of the stuff that's been spoiled on the FFG stuff, like the, the FFG articles about the blanket minus ones that are coming out like then yeah like i can understand the argument but right now in this card pool i don't think so yeah once we get some more burn that could that could be a thing yeah leave it. that makes sense so the night's watch now then okay no tyrell house tyrell, tyrell. i mean nothing <laughs> should be restricted in tyrell let's move on to the night's watch I agreed no, thank you very much i 100 percent disagree <laughs> tyrell is too easy as a false banner and it comes down to the arbor. Oh, you're stealing my article, Thunder, that I wrote for Wardens of the Midwest. <clears throat> well, let's let's point out that the arbor doesn't affect the false banner at all because it's loyal no, to start you, with. No, Tyrell is what you're false bannering. Oh, That's oh, yeah, sorry, banner. sorry, the it, other way. It does. You're, you're just sticking whatever the fuck you want in Tyrell because uh, I'd also be 100% okay with uh, restricting the Ocean Road. I fucking hate that card. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm but, fine with it, but, but whatever. Uh, yeah, it, it makes your false banner so efficient out of Tyrell, right? Like, you you run Ocean Road or Arbor, and then the Pleasure Barge is just free draw, and you just get, like, whatever good shit you want with draw. It's why both Tyrell Stag and Tyrell Watch are so good, and both are in T1 if you didn't like it. Yeah, I wrote a big article about this, and I said that basically, like, Tyrell's current state in the metagame is that it's a, it's a, it's a, like, a, a deck spine, right? Like, it's, it's a, a stabilizer for false banner decks that have an exceptionally like useful set of non-loyal cards because you can withstand the heavy resets because of your economy and card draw. Yeah, um, you just run all the yeah, draw cards. So and pleasure barge is the ultimate key to that. So pleasure barge. But I, but I, st- but I, I feel like that's like what makes Tyrell good right now. And is that real Tyrell? I don't think so. But I, just, I feel like it, that's what makes Tyrell good right now, and that's okay. If, like, we're waiting around for them to get, like, more bombs or a box or something, because, like, before this, they were, like, not winning anything. And so I feel like if you really, really nerf the power of of Tyrell main... Yeah. Like, even if you you're, just, you're just, talking like, about totally nerfing their them. two, like, boons that they got this cycle and putting them back to dirtling. No, you're not, because Renly exists and Renly's fucking phenomenal. But Renly's incredible. Even, like you could still run a real Terrell deck and be totally fine, and you could still run a semi-false banner. You would just be choosing like you would run Ocean Road and not the Arbor, and you would have actual risk associated. Okay, with so you okay, would basically on. just restrict the Arbor from Tyrell, and that's it. No, the that's Arbor really- and the. Uh, Pleasure merge. I think. Okay, here's the problem. Here's the problem, wow. Aaron. Is I think in a Oof. couple moments with your list, you do a really good job of arguing some cards. The thing that restricting the arbor separates the draw package. Like, why are you going to foul spanner? Like, like because restricting we're going to get to the wall. I assume as one of the as restricted cards. Like restricting arbor and the wall kills Night's Watch. Like 
like, you know, Tyrell watch. It just does. Like, you don't need to get rid of the draw package. But restricting the Arbor and Pleasure Barge, as Will said, nerfs the hell out of Mono Tyrell, saying, like, because that, that draw engine, that efficiency is good within Tyrell itself. So, it, But if one thing goes, it's not the Arbor, it's the Pleasure Barge. I, I just broke up, didn't I? But you're still, like, you're, you're completely eliminating, like, a faction identity in a young card pool. Wait, how? If you just restrict the Pleasure Barge, how are you eliminating their identity? Okay, so, like, Pleasure Barge is, like, one of the main reasons to play Tyrell because of the card draw, and card draw is a sub-theme of Tyrell. Yeah. So, so play it. And then don't play the Arbor? Yeah, right. No, I said just... You're not listening. Pretend you're listening. I said right, if, one, if one thing goes, it has to be the Pleasure Barge. How are the Pleasure Barge and the Arbor one thing, Luke? Oh, I thought... Okay, I, I just didn't hear you. Uh-huh. Yeah. He started by saying both. If yeah. if you're only doing one or the other, it I can I can accept that. But doing that both sense. is a problem. Yeah, that makes right. sense. Fine. If we're not doing both, then it's definitely a pleasure barge, and I'd argue that something else simple should go. Nothing huge. <sighs> something else card draw so you at least have a decision. Just put High Garden or something on there. I don't know. Yeah, High Garden would work. Or, there oh, you go. Man. Or the Mander, uh, or I don't know. I don't know. No, not the Mander. I don't I even bother with the Mander right anymore. Right, right yeah. but, but if. But if but then you might look at the Mander, right? Like yeah, if you don't look at the Pleasure Barge, you might look at the Mander, sure. Exactly. And now we've but. increased deck diversity, because now you have to care about challenges, you have to care about how much you win them by, which actually changes decks. You have to start building toward that. Right. I mean, the thing, okay, so here's the problem. Oh, never mind. This is just going back into first principles. So I'll, go on, Will. Move on to the next faction. I w- yeah, I was just going to say, let's, let's hit Night's Watch and wrap it then. Haunted Forest, Stupid Bird, and uh, Wall. Why are you restricting the birds? Like because, again, because they, they wait. Can I answer? Because you asked. They are functionally untouchable, short of claim or like legitimately like a put to the sword. They are the most untouchable, consistent, repeatable draw in the game. Which means that Night's Watch, which is functionally trying to set up a big combo, not control a big combo, will once it gets its draw going, as long as they're not bad, have draw forever. There are other there are enough other draw options in Night's Watch that they have to protect, have to think about, have to figure out how to use, that getting rid of the Raven doesn't neuter defense decks. And you can still choose the Raven for your mini curve um lo- like Night's Watch Kraken type deck. I don't I, I totally agree with the wall in Haunted Forest, but like the birds, I'm sorry, like the birds are not a problem. The like Yes they are. You just they're not I mean, maybe they, I don't, they're not maybe like because it's just they don't visually win the game. They just give them the options. Right, but like, that if ner- you have the bird, if they have the bird, they're going to set up their combo. If they're going to set up their combo, they're going to be a nightmare to play against. Always. I feel like all of this also has to be evaluated in the context of an incoming box too. Yeah, really. Night's Watch is. Going I mean, as and that that changes a lot then. It it really does. Night's Watch has at least two other draw cards, right? What Sam and Sam and Ari? Yeah, and Ari, and then I guess Will has insight, and people are playing him again. Yeah. Okay, and then there's the bad one that increases uh, reserve, right? The Northern Rookery. Yeah, whatever. But like, yeah. And then everyone has the option to play, and Night's Watch sure loves it. Has the option to play uh, Counting Coppers, right? Littlefinger, yes. I think Littlefinger. So Night's Watch has all these different draw options. But every single other draw option, except the one burst draw of uh, counting, 
is touchable, and the little bird is not. Giving untouchable draw to a combo deck is the exact problem Bloodthirst was. Okay, Aaron, I'm going to just repeat this one more time, then I'm going to speak But your restricted list is breaking up the combo. What makes the combo oppressive right now is that you search, search, search your deck, draw, 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 draw cards until you get Haunted Forests and the Wall, and when you break up the Haunted Forest and the Wall... You don't. If they can draw all the cards they want, it's not going to be as strong. It, no, it won't be as strong, but it will still be oppressive unless you slow down the draw. You, <laughs> you slow down the draw, and like there's the hidden draw of the Ravens, too, in that they're one-drop setup cards that you're then also drawing more cards on. But the nobody like the wall. No one thought that the wall. Everyone said that the wall could be a problem once they printed a card, or or if we're not doing this, the wall could limit deck building options or whatever term we want to use. It, but nobody was complaining when the European the, the European guys were doing okay and winning a few Stalic events because it was just a presence in the meta. Occasionally you would run into it and it could go off, but it did, wasn't highly consistent. You know, even you know Ryan Wood is a brilliant player, but he didn't win worlds, right? He, well, he did. He, had a great run. he didn't win worlds because it got because the wall got injury pulled out of his hand when he had an eight card hand. Right. The turn he was going to play it. That's that's variance, but that's fine. All, all I'm saying is it was a like it was, it's haunted forest that has created sure. these problems. And when you restrict, no, that, haunted forest is the worst of the offenders. Yes. Are yeah, we not going to? There's also a two Craven. drop. There's also a two drop tricon, by the way. That's another good Nobody's target. Craven at all. Craven is a great target. The birds are not. If they don't yeah. have enough, I would pick Craven. They have to ahead. Have this in the same way. I think you guys are bad at how combo works, but okay. I don't like, think, no, the, I, I the think thing is, I don't want the combo to really not good. work. Right, but it's, they still, I'm not saying, but if they didn't have any other draw, it wouldn't work. You just have to dedicate yourself to it if you don't have other draw. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, like and, and the Raven also, draw, but it becomes it, the Raven the also fuels the old forest hunter, which is a big part of that. So, I mean, like, yeah, I guess I understand your argument here. Like, it I, fuels everything. It's, it's, there's no draw in the game that's as efficient as that card. Like, in a fealty, you kneel fealty, you play it, and you get a free card every turn. Pleasure Barge yeah. has that negative Ple- one. I've, I've lost games because of that negative one. Well, I mean, the bird effectively says negative one every turn. No, not, so. if, you're, not if you're playing no, not in fealty. Um, no, not in fealty, because ha- there's not that many loyal cards. No, it's, it's still a gold that's being spent one way or the other, whether it comes from fealty or not. Only if you well, have. It, a but it's, I understand Aaron's argument with the bird because, like, even if you're you don't need to pop it, it's just another body that protects your other bodies with icons. Like, I totally understand all that. I and and it and it gets popped in the dominance phase, so it doesn't need to stay on the board. Like, I get all that. I think um, my There's problem just, right now is that Night's been. Watch was so overcorrected in the second cycle. That there's just like all of these things that we can just sit there and go, hmm, these corset cards that we thought about earlier were like, yep, those are insane now. So, and and I would agree. And I I hate to say this, there's obviously a ton more discussion uh, available on all these topics, and we've already cut a bunch of these short. So listeners, I would love to hear more about this uh, and your your thoughts and feedback in the comments. And hopefully we can engage in some of those too But uh, and move on. No, here's the thing. Either I sit down and edit and cut the Thrones War, <laughs> in which case, why am I paying someone else to edit? 
or I sweet talk them to try and and edit a larger file. I just said it to another boy. That's fine. <laughs> so, uh, or you I, just look see, at I'm your gonna... own chat log and see what I said above. Yeah, <laughs> he said that like twenty minutes ago. Props and slops. Whether or not we – this is uh, boilerplate. I want to prop Thrones War. It was great. I really appreciate Chris Schoenthal making it possible for me and Ryan and Aaron Jones for putting on an amazing event. So props to them. And in case the Thrones War segment gets cut, then I'm going to prop Chris and Jess Thompson uh, <laughs> for going out to Thrones War and playing really well and doing the Midwest proud and making people like Aaron annoyed. Well, I guess I've got a couple props. Um, I've been back to uh, binging some other podcasts, and uh, I don't believe I mentioned one of these on the show yet. That's Hollywood and Crime, a really well-produced kind of uh, true crime documentary about murders in Hollywood from about 1940 to 1950, uh, The Black Dahlia and many others. Just super high-quality uh, Production work, music, uh, voice actors for reenactment scenes and such. I really dig it. And then uh, another true crime I've been listening to called Up and Vanished. Production quality is not quite the same. It's a guy that's new to podcasting, but the story uh, about this uh, teacher that went missing in Georgia in 2005 is uh, just as fascinating as any number of other true crime stories I've checked out. So I highly recommend both. Uh, I got nothing. I'm going to prop Aaron for coming back on the show. Heck yeah. Wait, didn't I just annoy you guys for two hours? No, no it was man, good was discussion. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I wish we had more time. Uh, I think we we could have done some of that other stuff uh, more justice, but if nothing slot, else, it was... I'm going to slot my laptop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, wait, props uh, to Chromebooks, though. I do, I do have something I want to prop. I want to prop uh, Pod Save America. Really good podcast. Oh, I just subbed to that today. I need to start listening. Great stuff. Oh, also, crap. My favorite TV show in the world, Adam Ruins Everything. Watch it if you haven't. Oh, it's okay. so good. It's so good. Yeah, and slops to This Is Us because it's the worst thing I've ever seen. This Is Us? That's just for my life. It's so bad. Which is which is This Is it, Us? It's, made, it's the one that's made of syrup. Ew. Yeah, oh, it's disgusting. It's, too sentimental for your tastes. It's it doesn't have a single round character in the show. Okay. Oh, um, I, I guess I'll uh, I'll prop Riverdale. That's fun. That show is really fun. Oh, I need to so check dumb. that out. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. It's but like in the fun way, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Is it okay. better than Arrow? Yeah. I, yeah. But I mean, like, Arrow is enjoyable to watch in the sense of it's like it's. I I kind of hate Arrow, so like my requirement for comic TV shows is better than Arrow. Well, I mean, Riverdale isn't really a comic book TV show. Like, it's based on Archie, but it, it's not—it's yeah. not trying to do Archie. Archie, I guess. It's, it's, it's sort very of different. Archie. Archie. It's—it's it's just. I mean, it's kind of doing Archie, but it's not like a superhero show. Like, so, like, I don't know. It's—it's it, it's not in it. Not in the same universe. Like, like comparing Arrow to Riverdale, it's like, do you want like crazy? All right, all right, all right. Will Will's paying money for this. Let's call so. it. <laughs> <laughs> We're well into the danger zone, and thus closes. 
another chapter of Grammar.